Sports Network. This call your is being team recorded. every day. Uh, we, of course, we're going to sit down here with Pete and get through the Brown selection here. We're out one here. Um, seemed pretty cruising. You know, not too much that took you by surprise here. Um, then after about late teens, early twenties, things started to get a little bit off the rails here. But we're going to get in all of this. Uh, your host here. I.com, Pete Smith. Uh, Pete, we obviously died. I did the first one here with Steven here, but let's go. Let's get your initial reactions. Uh, Jedrick Wills, the way it played out, they had their choice of tackle two of the top four. Uh, obviously, Dave Guttman, uh, in maybe a moment of clairvoyance or somebody hacked into the system for the Giants, made them a solid selection in Andrew Thomas here. Uh, the way the board fell, they had three of the four tackles still available at 10. Ended up going the route of Jedrick Wills, uh, newest Cleveland Brown. Um, Pete, if there's one thing that I think you and I can both like about him, he does have the uh, the dick factor that we do like in blockers. Yeah, he's he's nasty. Uh, he likes to hit things. Uh, but I'm wondering if if you know it's really simpler than we all made it out to be, other than the fact he's short, relatively speaking, for a tackle is. Um, if the, the Browns allegedly loved Andrew Thomas and the Browns clearly loved Jedrick Wills, they're at least saying he was at the top of their board and, and he may well have been, but, uh, just on the simplest thing, you know, you can sort of look at is those are the two, top two guys in terms of pass protection, uh, just in terms of results, obviously, uh, Wills is flipping sides, but, I mean, they, the Browns may have just said, look, we're going to take the, the guy who, you know, obviously they, some athleticism is certainly required. and But ultimately they just said, we're going to take the best pass protector we can get to protect Baker Mayfield's uh, blind side. And if if that's what it is, then Jedrick Wills certainly gives them that. But obviously he has um, other things that make him, you know, intriguing. The fact that he's just such a powerful player, um, the Browns can certainly, you know, with him and Betonio on that side, should be able to run left uh, pretty consistently and then, you know, play action stretch uh, to the right uh, where their best, you know, tackle, at least on, you know, uh, merit is protecting his what would be his front side in Jack Conklin. So it's, it's, uh, it's a good setup from that standpoint. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally like Werfs better, but again, given the fact that Werfs has will make some incredible blocks and then misses some routine blocks, um, you know the Browns simply just not wanted to have messed with that, got eliminated any uh, inconsistency, and just said we're going to take the guy who's going to keep Baker Mayfield upright, and Jedrick Wills certainly excels in that area. Um, as we had talked about, though, there was no way to really, essentially, really separate these top four. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Beckton with his you know forty time. You know, obviously, everybody you know took an eye to that. Worse, the way he tested, he tested elite. But what we were trying to say here is every one of these guys essentially fit the bill. Even with Thomas and Wills, didn't test as athletically as you know as you know Beckton was projected to after the forty, and as Worth did. But there was never a sign that it, none of the testing was negative. They all showed the part, at least tested the part with the film that they had all had. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Jedrick Wills tested well. He he, uh, he didn't do everything. He had a 505-40, which is very good. Um, at his weight, uh, he tested well an explosion. He didn't do a three-cone. He did the shuttle. It was a 485, which is, you know, okay, not great. Um, and if you just go by his sort of size dimensions and his explosion, he's one hell of a guard. Um, and obviously that's, you know, the Browns didn't take him to play guard, though, you know, you could theoretically have Batonio switch up the left tackle and put Jedrick Wilson at left guard. He's still going to do uh, this. No, I mean, that, that, that is, you know, that that's why, like, if you go by, you know, with James Covert's thing, his, based on his data, it will say he's a he Pro Bowl projection of a guard. Uh, and and that that's, doesn't mean he can't be a very good tackle. It's just that's sort of where those things, based on data, project him to go. But, I mean, again, it's just one of those things where the Browns can hopefully just absolutely crush people running left. Uh, maybe they, you know, whether it's reach blocking or maybe they do a little bit more power than they might have anticipated with this, uh, hopefully can do a lot of running to the left side, getting Batonio and, and, and J.C. Treader on the move. Uh, maybe doing some counters on the on, to the right where you can actually have Wills lead up through. Uh, but uh, the big thing is play action typically is going to look left and come to the right side, which is where uh, Jack Conklin's going to be and obviously the throwing hand. So that's a really, really good situation. Uh, look, I mean, it does the Trent Williams scenario off the board. Um, Isaiah Simmons, and we'll get to this one here, and you're going to give your boys a little love on that one here. That scenario wasn't there. Um, the whole thing here with at 10 was keep it simple, stupid. It, it, it was dictating and was falling, and everything was around you for what was your top need and the situation you had to address. And for a brand-new general manager with a brand-new head coach, everybody finding their footings together. They didn't get cute with it. They kept it right and got, in their opinion, the guy they needed. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it may be as simple as they looked and said he's um, he, he's just not standing fast protector. He's going to keep Baker Mayfield upright, and if Baker Mayfield upright, that means the offense can go. Uh, but, again, if he can excel – and make the move into this where he, you know, on some level, offenses are like more than content to just sort of be like, our left tackle is going to keep our quarterback up. The rest of the guys can sort of run the scheme. And it may be that simple, but if he can do everything they want him to do, which presumably, you know, Bill Callahan had some input and said, yeah, we can get him to do this. Then, you know, you take advantage of that strength. And Nick Chubb is a very happy man being able to run behind either, uh, you know, Wills or Conklin. I mean, you look at last year, and he was the second-leading rusher, and their tackles were awful. I mean, that's terrifying to think about that, you know, realistically, they were running behind three linemen most of the year. Now they're going to have two more tackles that are way better and a really good fullback. That's um, certainly an ideal situation for, for Chubb. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, for, Baker Mayfield's not hurt basically from the word go and just varying degrees of injured uh, throughout the year. That's just not allowing him to be himself having a more, you know, 
capable, equipped coaching staff, which to this point and organization in general seem to have a very clear plan on what they want to do. So it makes you feel confident. Obviously they have a lot of challenges with, you know, the off season and, you know, they already dove into sort of their virtual um, daily. Uh, they, they did the first and I guess they had a, their first zoom thing with like over a hundred people. And I think they can really crush it in terms of that virtual classroom, but it's going to be difficult for them to sort of, you know, hit the ground running the way so many people would like them to be able to with all the talent. But still, I mean, they, they have a lot of tools. I mean, the offense is done. Uh, you know, I certainly would like to see another receiver get added for depth. Uh, but, like, your starting offense is complete. And now you just have to turn to the defensive side of the ball and get that to the right spot. But, you know, this seemed to be the plan all along. Uh, once they signed Cooper and Conklin, they added added Wills. He completes that side of the ball. That group's going to be uh, together for at least this year and next, unless they move on from, you know, the receivers. Uh, but they're going to have all their linemen intact. They're going to have the quarterback. They're going to have uh, hopefully both tight ends. Alaska depend on Njoku. And they're going to have Chubb at least one more year. So then they just have to add a good enough defense to be capable. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, as far as the offense, you know, they, they've they hit it. They hit it hard. They hit it in free agency with big names. Obviously hit it within number 10 overall selection here. Solidified left tackle, solidified right tackle. Got the tight end that was a dire need to, you know, bring in and construct the offense that Kevin Stefanski wants to do. Uh, you know, you still have Kareem Hunt to pair with and to, you know, give a blow to Nick Chubb. Um, yes, wide receiver, I still believe, is something that is important here. We're going to get to some round one thoughts here. Overall, here with Pete Smith from SI.com. If you were not subscribed on iTunes to Lockdown Browns, please take care of that now. Drop a rating and review. If you were not following Lockdown Browns on Spotify, now's a great time to do that as well. Make sure you drop a rating and review over there as well. Uh, just pumping out content here for you guys. Um, you know, let's enjoy it, guys. We don't know when next time we're going to get back to some sports normalcy for tonight, tomorrow, Saturday. We do have a case of that. So let's all just, you know, enjoy the ride, so to speak, while we have it. I'd say, Pete, for the most of the top 10, I, I'd say things went the way they were. You know, we had talked about the Chargers, whether they were, when they were going to address quarterback. We'll get to that second pick, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Um, but we talked about Arizona, and it looked like everything just lined up because everybody tackle, 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 tackle. You look at that defense, and I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you were going to have Isaiah Simmons succeed, you needed players – that could be like him, can be versatile, can do numerous things. We mentioned Arizona is a good matchup. That was one that came to fruition tonight. Well, again, this is one I think I had a while ago that Arizona would could be in the market for Simmons and just have a super fast defense. Uh, I don't know if they're going to stop anything, but they are really fast. Uh, obviously, they've got <laughs> – Chandler Jones, uh, now they have Isaiah Simmons. They've got Patrick Peterson still. They've got uh, Buda Baker. I mean, they have all these sort of – Buda Baker and, and Chandler Jones are, are great players. Buda Baker's come in and, and been really good. Uh, Patrick Peterson, you, you know, you're, you're, you're getting up there in terms of corner age, but he's still a good player. So you had another just dynamic athletic piece. And, uh, you know, just in terms of – what a team is trying to do, 
you know, Isaiah Simmons to Arizona might be the best fit in terms of like stylistically. Uh, you know, the question for them is going to be, do they have enough up front to sort of protect those guys? And, and I know they signed a nose tackle, but, you know, the, the rest of that group has some questions. They took a bunch of guys last year, including some guys I like, like Zach Allen, Michael Dogbay. If those guys can sort of grow up and, you know, really step in for, for a second year, that could be, you know, a really fascinating piece added to that where they just have a bunch of these little guys fly around and hit people. Um, I'm curious to see if it works. I, I, again, I, 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 in so many ways, I'm relieved that the Browns did not have to, to deal with this because I don't think they were ever interested in doing it. I just don't. I, I don't think linebackers is important to them in terms of their overall scheme. I think if they were sort of ready to go and compete and they saw him as a finishing piece, then maybe. But even then, at 10, it just doesn't seem like where they would go with it. Uh, because I think if if Simmons was sitting there at 10, I think they still would have run the card up for Wills. Uh, so it eliminated any potential conversation of what might have been. I mean, obviously the focus is going to be, let's see what happens between uh, Wills and a guy like Tristan Wirfs, who went three picks later to the Bucks. Um, which is a fascinating setup for them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens with Simmons. He's, he's certainly a fun player. Uh, but I was reading a thing that Albert Breer put out where he said one scout – or so somebody told him that one uh, – the comparison they had for him was uh, Anthony Barr. And I don't think he's as limited as Anthony Barr was – but I also remember how hyped Anthony Barr was when he was coming out of UCLA. He was a big, big deal, and all these people thought, oh, he's going to be able to do this, that, and the other thing. And then he's become a primitive, pretty limited player. He's an okay player, but he's not, you know, that great, great athletic, phenom, disruptive player that was going to be, going to be such a, a, a stud for them. And you have guys like Matt Miller who threw the name Sean Taylor in regards to Isaiah Simmons. So – uh, my fear with Isaiah Simmons is he has to be basically all pro good or he's going to be a massive disappointment. He has to be Superman. And that's just such a ridiculously high bar to climb. Whereas, you know, the Browns take Jedrick Wills. If he makes a pro bowl, great, but he just has to be a good tackle for a long time. He doesn't have to be, you know, all pro. They don't need him to be, you know, the best tackle in the league. They're not going to be unhappy if it happens, but they just need him to keep the quarterback upright and the bomb to function. Uh, that's what you pay him to do. And, you know, nobody's expecting the kid to go on and have a career of, you know, Joe Thomas. Um, and here's the thing is, you know, be part of this offensive line here. Uh, be quiet, do your job, show up every day. Um, and you know, that's, you know, keep Baker upright, um, get out there on this wide zone. Um, you know, get a glimpse of, you know, get a, you know, get a hand on somebody, get a chest on somebody and get the hell out of Nick Chubb's way, or he might run right up your back here. Um, I'm trying to think where Pete wants to attack first here. Pete, I got to think the Raiders is a team you'd love to speak on right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced that they meant to put in Damian Arnett. I'm just not. I, multiple rounds too early. Uh, this happened. This happened last year where the Ravens, Ra- Raiders just took weird picks. Uh, obviously, they took uh, what's his face with the fourth pick overall. Uh, the, the, Defensive end from, from Cleveland Sunday, Farrell. 
a for nice real. player. He just wasn't that dude. And then they took uh, the they took uh, the 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 kid out of uh, Mississippi State who got hurt, Jonathan, uh, whatever his name was, Abram, and he got hurt in training camp. But they loved him in part. And he don't get me wrong, he he projected to be a good player. I thought he was a solid pick. But they picked him in large part because he was like a psychopath in terms of his competitiveness. He had like that Siana Takitaki thing where he just like hit too much, and they had to sort of control him. And then they. Uh, but some of the picks they make are just absolutely bizarre. And Damon Arnett, uh, and I think a lot of the corner picks in this day, today have been bizarre. And maybe there's medical we don't know about, but A.J. Terrell, just no. I'm, I don't know what, what that was. Uh, the Falcons, after all this talk about it, they were trying to trade up, and maybe they were. They didn't just not trade up. They took a player who I don't think is going to help them. Uh, but Arnett, just, I, I, I think that's going to be a disaster for them. He's just not Akuda. He's not even close to Akuda. They're just, you know, a lot of people that hired Jalen Johnson and some of these other corners that were just so much more accomplished. Uh, even the kid that the, the Dolphins just took, uh, whose last name I'm not going to try to pronounce at the moment, um, out of Iowa. I mean, it's just, uh, the Raiders just confuse me. And they're not the only one. The Dolphins are sort of, with some of their uh, picks of confusion. A lot of these, uh, yeah, after after chalk, chalk, chalk for about, you know, the first nine picks probably, and, and Jedrick Wills is largely a chalky pick, even though I didn't think it was going to happen. It was still Browns pick, left tackle, move on. Uh, the, the, basically, once you got to the Falcons pick, it, it got nuts. And a lot of these players have gone off the board, and, and my reaction has been great. Had no interest in taking them. Hopefully, the Browns had no interest in trading, taking them. And now, <clears> the <throat> players that I like better for the Browns are getting pushed down the board. And here we are at the end, you know, near the end of the first round. And a lot of those guys are sitting there that could potentially be there. And either the Browns could move up a few spots, nothing insane, and grab them, or they just sit there and let the board come to them the way they did with Wills. But, you know, not not complaining at all about how some of these results are going. So, yeah, some of the weirder selections. I mean, nothing's weirder than the Jordan Love and, and the Packers, uh, but, yeah. Well, before you get to that, my, my, my thing with that, and I'll let you have your piece here, is I don't know who the Packers thought was in the Jordan Love business. If you wanted to take him, that's fine. Why they had to trade up, that's the part I still don't get. Yeah, I mean, look, at least on their contract, Aaron Rodgers is there for three more years. Um, and I, look, you tra- take him in the first round, you've got four years on a cheap deal and that fifth-year option. And maybe they – look, Jordan Love, you know, they, they, they might be putting him on the, on the plan Deshaun Kaiser should have been on years ago where he just was not ready, had no business seeing the field early and needed time to develop. And you basically wanted to send him to, uh, you know, quarterback Siberia for a while. And, and basically the way Aaron Rodgers was with Brett Favre. And, you know, maybe they see something there. I, I don't. I don't think the numbers do. Uh, but I don't, I, you know, I, I don't hate the idea of ever taking a quarterback to sit him. That doesn't bother me. I just, I, I'm with you. I, I, I thought it was bizarre to take him. Uh, especially because it feels like the Packers are like, I don't know if I would say on the doorstep, but 
they're a good football team. It feels like they're not far from being good here. Uh, so it's just sort, it's sort of like it's one of those where you're, you're sitting there. It, it's like when the Patriots took uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. At the time, it was just like, huh? Because at, the Patriots were really good, and obviously they've won numerous Super Bowls in that time. But it's still, at the time, it felt like, man, they could really get an impact player that can help them right now, be a finishing piece, and then they took Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and maybe the Packers are good enough. But that really, when they made the move, most people were sitting there going linebacker or wide receiver, and they ended up with a quarterback. <laughs> no, without question there. Um, latest pick at 31, Jeff Gladney to uh, the Minnesota Vikings at 31 after obviously, you know, uh, the trade up uh, for San Francisco to go get uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I guess that was at 25 or so. Uh, so the latest pick there. Um, and uh, well, and one more thing on the Raiders, Pete, any chance you got an opportunity to draft a 24-year-old cornerback in round one, you got to jump on that opportunity by all means. Yeah, I'm not, was not, would not have been on my board at all. I always took like, you would have taken like, the second. No, look, it, 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 you haven't been following me long enough. I'm not interested in 24 year old players, especially for the Browns. But just no, that just just not interest me. Uh, I, I'm the the success rate on guys you're asking to do that. No, it's it's a terrible idea. And you know, this is one of those things where, like, if it doesn't work out. No different than the Brandon Weed, which I hated before it happened. When you come back and you have to explain this pick to your like kids or something, and you start out with, "Well, the Browns thought this 28-year-old quarterback was going to be really good." What? Like, what do you mean he was 28? What were they doing? Well, he played baseball. 28 years old, first-round pick. Yeah, it, and it didn't work. I, I'm stunned by that. Like, it just just trying to sell it on the framework of that just makes no sense. So yeah, Damon Arnett, worst pick of the first round by far. Worst. Uh, we'll get to a little, <laughs> we'll get to a little bit more here with Pete. Um, guys, be community minded, um, you know, be folksy, be neighborhoodish. Uh, if you're running out, you got to run an errand, uh, check in, you know, on folks around you, the families around you. Um, you know, maybe there's one parent who's working, you know, mom or dad's trapped home with the kids or some elder, elderly people in your neighborhood. Uh, you know, reach out here, um, do all we can to hopefully get ourselves back uh, the quickest we can to normalcy. But look, it takes the slightest effort to be the better person, be the bigger person, try to help out those around you, those you know. Do, take that effort. Take that time. Go ahead and do that. Pete, going into the combine, we had talked about the linebacker position. And we didn't think it was a great group. Through the combine, we said, you know what? All right, these kids tested pretty well. I don't think we went from we don't think this is a really good group to okay they tested okay to the point where we got four linebackers going in round one. I don't know what happened there, um, and I'll start with the Chargers here. Okay, you want to get the quarterback out of the way. Herbert's your guy. You trade back into round one. You give up your second round pick. You give up your third round pick. You still need a left tackle, and you draft Kenneth Murray. Yeah, I, like uh, he's. Don't get me wrong, there's talent there, but I just don't see, you know, this all-out stuff. Like, and I and I say this about most every linebacker. I mean, short of Isaiah Simmons, it's not like some super inspiring linebacker class. At least based on projections and data, the next best, like in terms of top end, is Davion Taylor from Colorado, who barely has barely played football. 
like everybody else, Jordan Brooks, who actually does have the third highest data if you go by James Coburn's uh, guide. So credit to Seahawks on that. Kenneth Murray's behind him. Uh, you know, th- these are not, you know, great, great, great outcomes. I mean, you know, Queen didn't test at the combine, so that that sort of hurts him. But even on production, uh, and I know, uh, you know, PFF's going to come in and go, well, his production was actually this. Yeah, all right. But um, still, it's geez, the outcomes here, I'm just not I, – I, I don't get it. Like, and again, maybe maybe I'm I'm uh, painted by the whole the fact that Browns don't seem interested in. But again, just on projections, you're looking at this and you're going, I, I traded up and gave up two picks for a long-term starter. Just I don't I don't see it. Um, then there's some picks here where I, I'm just wondering if it's just the way the board fell to him. Um, Dallas still needing a ton of help on D. So, you know, God knows when you need more help on D, you just say, you know what, let's go throw ahead and throw another wide receiver on the field. Screw it. We'll just try to score 40 every week. Um, no offense to CD Lamb, fantastic player. Um, but you're now to the point now where you're the Dallas Cowboys. If I'm playing the Dallas Cowboys, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to run the ball 40 times a game because I'm going to keep their offense off the goddamn field. Well, they they are officially one of the more fascinating teams in the league because their defense is terrible. But they they they've got themselves in this position where this offense is dynamic. Having said that, you know, there's a part of me that when I saw the the pick go up in the BC CD Lamb, I almost thought that you know Dak's agent had to be doing a little fist pump because it's more pressure for them to get this deal done. Um, so. It's a fascinating concept because, you know, financially, you know, as much as the Chiefs are sort of predicated on on offense, their their money isn't like done that way, and that's because obviously Patrick Mahomes hasn't gotten his fat contract yet. But the Cowboys, it's uh, wow, that's stunning. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went the run went out of LSU. To uh, the Chiefs, I'm not surprised they took a running back. I'm surprised they took that running back. Uh, but anyway, Jeff, Jeff uh, Risden, Jeff Risden, two for two on his. Give me two names that nobody's talking about going round one that are going to go round one, and he nailed it with Brooks and with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Go ahead, bud. Uh, your offensive line has like four, three, well, three premium contracts because uh, the center just retired. They've got. Ezekiel Elliott, who might be the highest paid player in uh, the highest paid running back in the league, uh, with uh, with uh, the Rams moving on from Todd Gurley, they've got Amari Cooper, who just got a hundred million dollars. Uh, they've got Michael Gallup, who's on a rookie contract, but obviously a very good player. They just had CD Lamb, and now they have to pay Dak Prescott somewhere in the neighborhood of you know thirty five million dollars a year. And, like, if that group doesn't deliver, I, I just, you know, they they have to score 40. Like, just to, just to live up to any semblance of, of what they're supposed to be. And then not only do they have to put up 40 because of the hype and everything, they have to put up 40 because they're not going to stop anybody. They have <laughs> not replaced uh, Robert Quinn, who's gone. I mean, they've still got – They've still got Demarcus Lawrence. <coughs> the, the defensive tackle situation is crappy. 
they took that kid out of uh, what UCF, Tristan, Tristan, uh, whatever Hill. the kid was awful. Yeah, Tristan Hill, who went like three rounds too early last year, was awful for them. Uh, they let go some of their defensive tackles just because they can't afford them. Uh, they have questions with the DBs. Obviously, Byron Jones is gone. Uh, so, it's, you know, obviously the draft is not over. They can still do a lot of things, much like the Browns did, where, you know, they obviously took one major piece on offense, and it seems like most, if not all, the rest of the draft is going to be defense. That's where the Cowboys have to be at. They have to figure out how to put together something they can always occasionally accidentally force the other team to punt. <laughs> of the teams with multiple first-round picks, so we have the Chargers with Justin Herbert and obviously with Kenneth Murray. Um, you go to the Dolphins, Tua, obviously Austin Jackson, and then uh, Noah. Yeah, we'll just call you Noah. Um, Minnesota, uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, Jeff Gladney. Um, of the teams with multiple first-round picks, obviously San Francisco 49ers as well, uh, Ken Law and Ayuk, of the teams with multiple first-round picks, Pete, who do you feel like did the most damage? Which one do you like the best? Probably the Vikings. Um, they just finished up with Jeff Gladney. Uh, he's fine, and they had to have they had to get a corner. They just had to. Um, they took uh, – who was the other guy they got? Justin Jefferson. Oh, they took Jefferson. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people are, but uh, you know he's he's a solid player. He fits what they want to do. So I, I think largely they did maybe the best with, out of the teams with multiple first round picks because they did the least wrong with them. Where I feel like the Dolphins, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how I feel about uh, their picks. I mean, they may have done fine. I, I, so much I I don't know with Austin Jackson and that bone marrow thing. Like, and it's obviously a huge, you know, a huge gesture on his part to donate bone marrow to his sister, but to then say, well, he didn't feel like he was himself until I think like week eight or nine. I, I mean, I don't even know how to sort of account for that. And, I, you know, that's sort of one of the things where maybe – He's a lot better than, than than it looks like he is based on tape just because he wasn't sort of there, but it's sort of a risk. And obviously with Tua, you know, if he stays upright, he can be a really, really good player. Uh, that's obviously the risk. And they, their doctors have to feel super confident about it uh, because it could work out really well. Their draft, their, their first round picks have the highest rate of sort of like the, the – the easiest path to sort of completely blow up in their face, uh, which is, you know, fine. Uh, I, I mean, I, I give them credit for having the stones to do it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. They have the highest amount of maybe variance. All right. With round one officially put to bed here, uh, Pete, uh, we'll give each other a half tip here. Um, we didn't think there was going to be a safety that was going to go round one. No safeties went round one. Look, we've talked about how beautiful it would be to get the tackle of your choosing at 10 and find some way to get Grant Delpit. You are now eight selection, uh, nine selections away from that possibly happening. Anything you'd give up? Or are you just going to wait this out and see what falls at 41? I have to sort of figure this one out um, because 
there are a couple guys that are really good that are sitting out there. Uh, Denzel Mims, again, I don't think the Browns are in a hurry to take a receiver, but he's just, I think he's a really nice player. Uh, I, I could see where they would fall in love. Although, based on the data, my man Devin Duvernay has all pro upside. The other guy who's sort of a mystery in that conversation is <laughs> LaVisca Chenault. Does anyone know where he's going to go? I, I, there's some questions with how healthy is he, but in terms of just like a weapon and, and the things he can do, that he's like a tailback who plays receiver and he's just super productive. And I remember doing the mock draft way back when and, and put him with the Bills, and I think if the Bills could get him, that would be a great fit. But just some other guys that stand out. Um, first, Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland didn't get picked yet, which I'm surprised by. Um, one of those two is going. To, one of those two has got to be going to Cincinnati. They have you to. Would think, have to. I, There's no I, way I you thought, can draft Joe Barrow and not take a tackle at 33. And I thought Joe Goodbury uh, was insane to think that Ezra Cleveland was going to be there, and there he is. So they may be able to get him. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, a lot of tackles did go in the first round. Uh, you know, the Titans taking uh, your boy Isaiah Wilson is they took the Derrick Henry's offensive tackle they could. Yeah, well, um, I'm trying to think. I think it was somebody put it out a couple of days ago. Maybe it was Lance Zerlin or somebody put it in a mock, and I was just like, oh my god, that literally just makes so much sense because the old you're saying is we're just going to put in this beast of a run blocker in here and continue to do what we did last year. So yeah, that move made a lot of sense. Um, so other guys that are really popular uh, with the fan base are Antoine Winfield. I love him on tape. I love what he can do. His projection is not great based on data. Jeremy Chin, meanwhile, his his projection is very high. He's got a Pro Bowl projection. I'm just not sure if I believe it, and I'm not sure he's a strong safety, but I know a lot of people are big, big, big fans. Grant Delbert, Pro Bowl level projection i think he's perfect for what this defense wants to do to play all three spots as a safety that's huge zach bond i love him it entirely the, the question with him entirely is do you think he's a a uh rush linebacker that leo or do you think he's more of an off-ball guy if you think he's an off-ball guy chances are you're not that interested uh if you think he's an edge guy who can sort of take over and be that leo um that becomes interesting so the guy that all of a sudden jumps out, which I did not think would happen and could be very, very intriguing for the Browns, is Yeter Gross Matos from uh, Penn State. Penn State. Um, I know there are a lot of people who have questions about his tape. I know there are a lot of questions about scheme and some of the things he did to sort of rack up some of his production. Nevertheless, he is a defensive end with a Pro Bowl projection that could be an unbelievable fourth end for the Browns. So if you are looking at this thing and going, we want to be able to impact the quarterback and we want to draft guys who can consistently impact the quarterback and potentially have your answer for what's life look like after Olivier Vernon, Yeter Gross Matos is very interesting. Again, my preference is probably Grant Delpit. I think he's the best player of this group that's sitting there available, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of good players. I know Xavier McKinney's another guy a lot of people like. I'm not, I'm not in on him. Jalen Jalen Johnson is fine. Uh, he doesn't have a great projection. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great options. You can easily put ten players up there if you want to get nuts. You could take Jonathan Taylor. Just saying, you could do it. Um, all pro upside running back. The the best projection in the class. 
from that standpoint. But yeah, there's just there's just a lot of talent on the board that could be sitting there. So I'm curious to see if the Browns are interested in sort of moving up or if they are trying uh, to let the board come to them as it did last time. I, I would have no problem, uh, you know, letting, you know, giving up a little something to move up and get Grant Delpit. But, you know, it would not surprise me in the least if they just sort of hang out because there are so many players that are just waiting there that could be selected. Um, and they showed, you know, essentially per- perfect patience to this point. Um, you know, I guess maybe tomorrow you can just read on SI.com because Pete Gase basically just gave you his top nine at 41 right here, right now. Um, with the way this has gone down with what the Browns did today, Pete, where in the world does Trent Williams end up? Are the Chargers going to have to find some way to give up some part of the 2021 draft? Where in the world is Trent Williams going to? That's a good question. Um, one team that stands out that could go that route, especially since they just took Justin Herbert, would be the Chargers. Um, I don't know if they can afford it. That's the thing. Is so much of this comes down to contract. Um, the other possibility would be to say, boom, we're going to take – we took Tristan Wirfs. We're going to make him a guard, and we're going to go ahead and add – Trent Williams to be that left tackle and really, really uh, bolster this offensive line. Tampa has always been the team that has made the most sense. Uh, Tristan Wirfs may have taken them out, of, uh, taken themselves out of this. I'm trying to think of it. Does Miami want to go that route? And, and basically, you know, so much depends on how they view Tua. I mean, if they're content to sort of let them sit there and not play, then it may not matter. They may not. They may not care that much about Ryan Fitzpatrick's well-being, <laughs> but um, if they, you know, if they want Tua to get in there, uh, they've got Austin Jackson now. They may be, you know, they have obscene amounts of cap room. Um, they're not concerned from that standpoint. They could go that direction. But if you are Washington, you're sitting there going, "Yeah, we're running out of options here, and this is a bad situation." And, you know, supposedly it's only going to take like a third round pick. That's Breer's reporting. Uh, they're, they're just Washington not being reasonable with this whole thing. It may blow up and they may be stuck with him. He just may not play. Well, this is where Washington kind of basically just dug their own hole. Um, you just let it go on way too long. And once the man told for you i'm not going to play football for this franchise that is where you're at cut your losses whatever i can get i can get and now you were here with this and obviously his camp is not helping anybody with saying you know we'd like a little more money even though we haven't played for a year and a half whatever yada 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 it's just sinking battleships and it makes it even more to deal with but like we said it's not just a simple let's get trend in here get him on a training table check out his knee and see what our doctors say. There's more to it. And, of course, you can't even do these simple simple aspects of just a simple physical right now, the way things are. There is more to it. There is, you know, the cancer. There is where his head's at. Harry, you go back to him and all he went through as a player, there's so much to just come back from illnesses like that and then expect to go out and be this big, bad superhero football player. 
it's a lot. It takes a lot to to get back to that. So it, it just makes it for you know the most difficult trade. And obviously, you know, with a bunch of tackles here in this class, it certainly didn't assist in that way, anyway, whatsoever here. Uh, Pete, anything to close with here? Uh, and yep, yeah, that was a really, really fast round one. I'll be honest with you, NFL, this might be the way to go. Um, no glitches, it didn't seem, not many hiccups, cleaned on right through. And, you know, uh, basically, you know, a one round, uh, first round of the NFL draft over and out in about four hours flat. Well, it did go fast. Uh, obviously, other than Raiders, clearly, uh, there weren't any technical glitches. So that's, you know, it went according to plan, uh, which is certainly positive. Tomorrow's uh, going to be a little bit more nuts from that standpoint. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, the Browns, we came into this thing going, the Browns need to get their left tackle for for. Baker Mayfield, and they've done it. They have their left tackle. Now they have to get him to play to that ability. Certainly, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. There's a lot there, potentially, that could allow him to be just a tremendous player. But I mean, from that standpoint, the offense is effectively done. And now it's just a question of where do you go here on defense? Uh, no doubt. And, you know, you got obviously holes to fill here and maybe, you know, finding a way to get a wide receiver into this mix as well. Make sure you are following the man at underscore Pete Smith. Check out everything from uh, Browns Digest at Browns Digest through SI.com. Uh, all the work over there. You know, Pete will be busy uh, finishing off tonight. Obviously, well into tomorrow. Getting you all prepped for day two. Uh, Browns with on the clock for right now. Schedule three picks for tomorrow. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, good night. Fun night. We can do without the Skype fans. Lose that. That was weak. Um, just kind of wasted some time here. And Roger Goodell trying to pretend like he knew how to celebrate with this every fan base. Just stop. It was bad, 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 bad. Um, Roger looked really tired by about like quarter to 10. Uh, so, Roger, maybe get some coffee going in that basement or whatever you got going on over there. Um, but all in all, look, we got to get back to some normalcy today. We got something live sports. Obviously, it wasn't a game or anything. But, hey, you know, drafts. Huge part of football, part of any sport. So a good day here. Uh, pick 10 taken care of Alabama tackle Jedrick Wills. Your newest Cleveland Brown will be busy tomorrow. We'll be busy tomorrow night. Continue to bring you guys the best we can here, the best content, best commentary about things going on here. Appreciate everybody for being along on this ride. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>